race clock. I declare bankruptcy. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Depression. Isn't that just a fancy word for feeling bummed out? Dwight, you ignorant slut. Not only the years we've been at war, but from the moment as a child when we realized that the world could be conquered. You're listening to Great Scott, The Office Podcast. I am Jay Ray, and with me is my very fancy high-tech deskmate, Jacob. Yes, I have the background, and I have, like, photos up now. So if you check out the YouTube, which I hope to post this week, because I think I actually forgot to do it last time. That's fair. Force Awakens, yeah. It's a, it's a solid background. At least it's not like Last Jedi. Oh, I like Last Jedi. You're wrong. Well, I'm not, though. You're wrong. <laughs> Have you seen Solo yet? Yeah, terrible. Really? See? That's why you're wrong. You don't get it. You don't understand it. I like I mean, it wasn't a great movie, but I, I thought it was fun. Uh, it was sure. completely unnecessary and superf- superfluous. superfluous. Yeah, yeah. But, you know. But wrong. at least you liked Rogue One, right? I mean, yeah, I named my dog after Jin. Nice. Yeah. That's, I love that movie. It's of the new, of any of the new ones, like since The Phantom Menace, I think it's the best one. Since The Phantom Right. Yeah. Yeah. So since the prequels. Well, since, yeah. So in the new bunch. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it holds up there with like, you know, up there with Jedi at certain, or not Jedi, uh, Empire times, but it's not as good as Empire, but yeah. It's, it's, whole, a, it's a, I mean, that's, that's what, that, that's why I didn't like Solo. I just wish we explored more of the universe. Right. Mm-hmm. Instead of like exploring, like, I mean, we already know what happened in Han's past, right? To an like, extent. I mean, I mean, and they're just adding stuff, but we already know where he ends up. Right. As opposed to like the Obi-Wan story sounds interesting to me because we don't really know much about Obi-Wan after, right? Like a new hope he's there. Right. We know everything about him from the prequels, but whatever he was doing in Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Right. Crack. And there's, also, with people. there's also been a lot of like rumors of a, a rogue um a rogue squadron movie like them before luke shows up so yeah and i, I think like, like a space you know basically top gun but star gun space yeah like with wedge and stuff right yeah that'd be yeah. awesome porkins finally getting his day in the sun that's you know? right man yeah. i'll get all porky but we're not here <laughs> talking about star wars that is on our other one day podcast the star wars something yeah <laughs> the star wars sit down there it is boom <laughs> we're here to talk about the office we are in season seven as you can see over my right shoulder here there it is um and uh they we are on the first post michael episode yep yep the inner circle season seven episode 22 directed by matt so sohan sohan Sohn. Sohn. i don't Maybe. know yeah written written by charlie grandy so the last time we saw our office friends d'angelo was eating handfuls of cake and then throwing <laughs> them in angela's direction no no yeah so we know so it, it's different right we are now in the age of d'angelo right a very short-lived age yeah yeah he seems and- like he's around longer than for like three episodes. I think that's all his run is, is three episodes. Yeah. In my head, I thought he had two post-Michael episodes, but obviously at least. Uh, I thought he had at least two, if not three or four. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's nuts, but here he is. And um, 
I guess my other, all right, great, great way to start the show, Star Wars and then a complaint. (laughs) (laughs) The problem with D'Angelo is like, I just, he's, I mean, it's the point he makes in this episode is he doesn't want the office to get him, right? Right. Um, But in the few episodes that he's in, I don't get him. Like, truly, I don't even understand. Right. Is he great? Is he stupid? Is he aggressive? Is he not? Well, I think that's what it is. That's his quote-unquote style. Yeah. The only thing we really know about him is he loves the American Southwest. Right, right. The thing is, he wants what he wants when he wants it and wants... Like he, he says, really he doesn't want mind readers, but right. he does. You know, yeah. Yeah. it's very obvious in this episode. He wants a bunch of yes men. Correct. Yep. So, and I don't know if this is like enabling from Joe or what. Like I don't, I don't know. Maybe he's done really well in the past. Mm. Um, yeah, that's the thing too, right? Because when he tells that story about him saving Joe's dog, he's kind of on the down and out. Right. But right, did he fall from grace from another position that was actually? Right. Did he yeah. hit like um there's this business principle. It's been thrown around, but it's the, the Peter principle. Yeah, yeah. Eventually you'll be promoted past your level of excellence. Yeah, I mean Michael is always the prime example of it. Right. <laughs> so yeah, is D'Angelo just like the bad like, well, well is was he was he really good somewhere else and got into management and people realize how bad he was. Mm. I mean, as we see later in the episode, he's a very sexist person. So did he, did he get fired for being really sexist to right. somebody? Right. You know, yeah. I mean, that's a very real possibility. I didn't, didn't think of till just now. So, yeah. Well, so the episode starts with like, he has this meeting. It's, it's all in a meeting, right? Where all this it, It's like a conference room. Yeah. Yeah. Where like he is very angry and very aggressive and very deal with the information I'm telling you, but a lot of it is good news. Well, he's like, coasting time is over. Yeah, right. You know, I don't want this. And you know, if you don't like the changes, you can walk out the door right there. Yep. Um, but we find out Daryl's getting a full ride to business school. Mm-hmm. Later in the episode, we also find out he's learning Chinese at business school. Or, or maybe going to be learning Chinese. Yeah, yeah. So does this, like, go away when D'Angelo goes away? Like, Yeah, it's hard we, to say. Because we never really revisit it. And by the time Athlete had rolled around, depending on the schedule for, you know, an NBA, he would have been done. Right. Yeah. I feel I, like it must be. Because yeah. he, like, uh, yeah. I mean, he doesn't seem to be, like walking on the clouds after D'Angelo leaves, you know? Yeah, because, like, my... I mean, I did mine in, like, 13 months. It was 13 excruciating months. Still 13 yeah. months. Right, yeah. Uh, Tobes is getting a new chair. Right, which I, I assume he got. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, which, you know, Tobes has got to be, like, uh, you know, over the moon for getting a new yeah. chair. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's like Oliver Twist. Well, someone not just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ice Cream Thursday is coming back. Coming back. I thought that was a new thing. Or that too. Someone wanted to bring something back. Oh, no. Angela wanted to bring back. Pet day. Pet day with no dogs. That's right. no dogs. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's just all this good news, but he's just trying to, like, make it unclear for the right. office to, like, mm-hmm. get him. And like you said, he doesn't want yes men. But he's assembled what the office has dubbed the inner circle. Right. Like Kevin, Kevin is ends up being his target audience. Yeah. Because he's like, I don't know what to think. He's like, you get me. Yep. You yeah. Know? So. <laughs> yeah. So. That's so good. Um, yeah. So essentially, um, 
the inner circle consists of Jim, Daryl, Gabe, Kevin. I thought that was one more person in there. Ryan? No, no he's not in there. No. Yeah, I guess that's it. Um, and I mean, I don't know what the inner circle does. It seems to be just kind of like an inter-office powwow where I guess they talk right. about some office stuff, but generally seem to like slack off. Right. It seems to be what it is. And so what, what I assume is that uh, D'Angelo brings in some people who are going to insulate them. Right. It ends up like just like they just start hanging out. Yeah. You know, and, and so that's that. I think that's what he does. He's like the top go getters in the office. He makes his friend, mm-hmm. and then, then he can do whatever he wants. The uh, person he wants in the inner circle is Dwight. Right. And Dwight's having none of it. Right. Which is awesome. I, yeah. I, I think it's really good. You know, especially, which, well, this is actually a really interesting thing. So later in this episode, we see D'Angelo get really pissy with Dwight, and Dwight like picks up. He's like, I don't know if you know this about me, but I respond well to shows of authority. Yeah. So I kind of wonder if Michael did something early on with Dwight to sort of get him under his wing, get him under his his uh, control, so to speak. Right. And then go from there because you know he's. I get that Dwight's pissed because he's not the manager, but you know it would seem like he would want to do things because you know when charles minor was there uh he um you know he he was very much like you know the moment charles was like look hey we should go have a beer and talk about this he's like what you know and just completely falls for charles which you know grant charles was a very domineering powerful person so that kind of makes sense but like the fact it took that act of dominance for Dwight to respond was interesting. Yeah. I mean, also, too, Charles initially showed um, a dislike for Jim, I think, which helped Dwight also be like, right. oh, yeah, this guy's on the up and up. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, D'Angelo brings him a coffee, and like Pam in the tiramisu, he just takes the whole thing and dumps it in the trash. I feel bad for the the, the uh, custodians. Like, I know, whole things was- of food, right? Well, hopefully that bag doesn't have a hole in it, but if it does, you know, get down all in the can and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yucky. Um, we have signs posted around our office, please don't put drinks in the trash. Right. <laughs> the pull yeah. drinks in the trash. I'm like, I get it. Um, another thing we found in this episode is Ryan is pulling a little bit of a Pam here by creating a position for himself. Right. And this is also where, like, it is very apparent of D'Angelo's sexism, mm. you know, later yeah. in this. But, uh, but yeah, he's like, Ryan has this great thing. He's like, the problem with having it or the X factor is, is it's impossible to tell people what you bring to the table. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so he's managed to convince Kelly to let him act as if he's her boss. Yeah. I mean, there does seem to be a trade off because later on he says he's forced to be a dutiful boyfriend all the time. Well, that's later. Like he does something else. Well, because eventually Kelly blows up Ryan's spot saying, no, this is not true. Ryan's actually this. And right. the angel's like, well, I kind of like it the other way. <laughs> so that's just going to be what it is. Right. Right. But there was, there was something in in the middle. There, there was a, it, there was, there's three incidences of this happening. And like, she, like, well, they're, they're talking for one bit and then Ryan just yells at her. Right. 
And then D'Angelo overhears that and says, boy, I won't want him to be my boss. Right. And she, and that's when like Kelly just like seizes on the opportunity. Like, like for a brief moment, she has all the power. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's where she's always wanted to be. Yeah. I mean, um, there's so, this whole thing about like you just like to lie, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's true. My wife says that about me, but I always instantly say I'm joking afterwards. <laughs> I just, I just say things assertively with confidence and immediately say no, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan like really rides it out. <laughs> um, yeah, this promotion that Ryan gets is short lived. Stops after D'Angelo leaves. Very similar right. to, uh, yeah, and there's a couple other things that happen this season that are basically just the result of D'Angelo working there that we don't see next season. Right. Which we'll get to. That's tied to the sexism. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So that's the X Factor. Dwight has a ton of family. Yeah, 70 cousins. Like, yeah. do we think he actually has 70 cousins? Yeah, or- I think so. I mean, because I, I don't recall. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't recall like the last four episodes of the show so well. So I don't really remember the farm backdoor pilot so much. I mean, he does have a big family, but I don't, I don't didn't think it was like 70. Well, it's not, I don't think it's all like, uh, like, I don't know what the expression is. Like second cousins. Right. I think there's a lot of seconds and thirds and cousins removed and stuff that he's counting because of his family. Right. And that's something like I've never really understood. Because, like, my family, that's not a thing in my family. Mine, mine either, right. I mean, we have family friends who are my uncles in that context. Right, but, like, we just, like, we've, we've never gone past, like, the sec- whatever cousin. Like, if you, it's either first cousins or you're essentially not family. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, because you have a cousin, right? Mm-hmm. And if your cousin has a kid... I believe that's a second cousin. I th- is that how that works? I think. And then I think there's something like if you have an aunt that has an aunt that has a kid. Is that right? I don't know. Families are stupid. Let me tell you. <laughs> I have my mom and my brother and now I'm married. And that's about as far as I need to go. <laughs> my funeral is going to be great. It's going to be like the Big Lebowski. They're going to put my ashes in a coffee can. My wife is going to try to throw them over the Grand Canyon, but a gust of wind will blow them back into my brother's face. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. If there are more people involved in my life, it'd just be complicated. The only, I mean, yeah, like. It's a great funeral idea, I know. Where, I mean, I'm not, like, <laughs> I don't have that much family, I guess. It's like, I mean, my family's not small, but it mainly is because I have five siblings, not because mm. I have a large extended right. family. Right, yeah. <sighs> family, family, family. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, um, yeah, so, yeah. We, we have this great, section so well first i uh yeah pam brings up so uh d'angelo i have a hard time thinking of his name because he's such and such little of the uh of the season or series okay so d'angelo wants an administrative assistant for some reason right you know michael never had one so this is another way that dunder mifflin screwed him that he could have had an administrative assistant and the receptionist. Right. Um, and so Pam has this whole thing of, hey, would you check out, you know, my friend? She, mm-hmm. she, she's like, you know, gave us all these qualifications, worked in his offices, kind of gives the impression she's, she's a little older, you know? Right. right. And so we see this scene where they're going through, the inner circle is going through the resumes. Mm-hmm. And we, we see all these just terrible typos and resumes which I've looked through resumes for like engineering students, like interns. Awful. 
so many typos. Yeah. You know, I got to say, because I, I recently got a new job and the application process is very difficult because like you don't get feedback. Like right. we didn't reach out to those people and say, hey, you know, we're not going to go with you. Also, your resume is full of fucking typos, you idiot. Well, the thing is you got to be careful there. Because if, if you reach out to them, they're like, there's some HR rules and it, well, it's, it's, it's different depending I mean, on the company. Like, right. But I mean like, so societally, right? Like right. no one ever says, listen, we didn't go with you. And just so you know, this on your resume wasn't great to us or we wish you expanded more on this or whatever. Right. Like, cause you never know. And that being said, even though whatever your company would be didn't accept me and they gave me that feedback, that would be the same if I tried to apply like another company. Right. Right. So it's like applying for jobs is difficult, I guess is my mm. point. It sucks. <laughs> right. I actually read somewhere that the reason it's so hard to apply for jobs now is because the internet made it so easy that they needed a gatekeeper because they were getting so many resumes for every job that they just couldn't keep up. That makes sense. Yeah. They're getting like 5,000, you know, resumes for an entry level position. Yeah. I mean, you know, helps that our economy is in great state that like, you know, people aren't retaining jobs or people are retaining jobs for too long. Mm-hmm. That's a big millennial issue is that we aren't changing jobs enough. Cause like, I think they say the biggest time you get a raise is when you leave your job for another job, you know? Pretty true. Uh, my two biggest raises have been moving jobs. Yeah. And I was at my last job for six years. So I could, I, I could be making a bank, yo. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I could be making Dwight hell hotel money. <laughs> That's okay. So this is why perfect unemployment is 5%. Mm. Because that means enough people are leaving jobs and there's enough movement in the economy that stays around 5%. Right. Above 5% is bad. Below 5% is bad. It's just... Yeah. Uh, so they're going through these resumes looking for someone. And um, so one of the greatest scenes during this will Ferrell run of episodes honestly i think it's a top 10 of the whole series right the series. Very well yeah. Be. yeah i didn't want to say it and so, have you reject me i was scared but i'm glad okay well it's I mean, easy it's top 25 that's fair that that's a hundred, but top I think 10 i mean top 10 that's pretty yeah that's pretty rarefied air so let's say top 25 i'll take it and so daryl finds like uh someone put on their resume that they were an expert juggler or that's something right. yep and you know, uh, D'Angelo says something about how he has this juggling routine, yeah. inspirational juggling routine that he likes to do. So before we get into the absurdity of the actual thing he does, do you think he actually had a routine or is it just like him bullshitting with, you know, all sorts of other stuff? Like, because we see him bull- just basically bullshitting this entire time. Yeah, I mean, my wife says that D'Angelo's juggling in this moment is better than Pam's mock juggling. Though she admits that Pam is doing mock juggling, so may not be trying as hard as <laughs> D'Angelo's trying. But, but the thing is, is like, I feel like D'Angelo has a habit of... Of, like, of stretching the truth, right? Well, either stretching the truth or not, having peop- not being called out on by people. Mm. And so, but he gets especially with people like Jim who are going to call you out and Dwight. And so I think it's Jim who calls him out. It's like, we should totally see that. Yeah. yeah like, oh, go get my stuff. He goes down to his car. And this is why I think it's just complete crap is because he comes back from his car and he's like, Oh, I thought I had my juggling stuff in there and I don't. 
Yeah, and someone says, do you think someone stole it? Which is like, what a dumb response. <laughs> like, who cares? Um, but yeah, so he just he's already queued up the music, though. Right, so he might as well keep going. Um, and he goes on to do a juggling routine that I think there's not enough height in the office to correctly achieve. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how high you have to, to juggle five balls, but it's not a short distance. Yeah, yeah. Um, but of course, the greatest moment, quote, Phyllis, do you trust me? End quote. Right. Where, I mean, in generally, I don't, I've never touched these juggling balls that are used, but my understanding is they're not too dissimilar from like leather wrapped hacky sacks, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, actually, like like uh, oh, I'm boy. actually still, I'm actually been learning to try to juggle here uh, the last year or so okay and the ones i have are essentially hacky sacks i have really bad vision and juggling helps retrain my hand-eye coordination okay that's fair uh, uh, but yeah, yeah. So, so yeah they're so essentially I'm, hacky sacks so just they're a bit not more bouncy, i guess is my point right right, right. they're just, just a throwing bit them more at phyllis's head and they would just fall down into her lap Yes, they would. Unless, unless they're like special balls, yeah. you know, like because I can see someone doing with like racket balls or something. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but wow. like I love that he because even at the point of this episode, "Wake Me Up" by Evanescence is an it's, old song. Yeah, yeah. I remember when that song came on the scene, man. That thing was like the most lit jam ever. Yeah, I mean. Um, yeah, Evanescence, like her, two songs, right? That song and then Going Under. Right. Like just all over the place. I mean, how many Dark Willow montages <laughs> are on YouTube to Going Under, right? And there's it only so much fun. this conversation, I'm going to put it in my Spotify <laughs> so I can listen to it at work. <laughs> That's great. That'll get the blood pumping. Um, so the great, I, and so what's really great is so you, he wraps it up and he ends the routine and people might miss it because there are no balls, but he ends the right. routine with a ball landing on the back of his neck. Right. And that's he just like... it. Um, so some people clap, some people are confused and we, we find Pam. Yeah, most doing, people are confused. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pam does her impression of it, which is funny. She goes so far as to doing no balls. Right. Um, <laughs> I was like, I'm juggling. uh, was it? <laughs> Bowling balls and eggs, I think is yeah. what it was. Like, like, look, one hand, no hands. It, and this is where it comes out that uh, it's being suggested that D'Angelo's a sex. Right, because, oh, how does it come up? Something, I think it's something about the inner circle or something. Well, yeah, so Jim says, you know, lighten up, it wasn't that bad or something. And someone says, well, you're in the inner circle. Right. Well, of course, you'd say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it comes out that there are no women in the inner circle and that mm-hmm. there are just some general sexist vibes in the office um, that the inner circle doesn't seem to be addressing at all. So they propose Jim to be the representative. Now, an interesting ally... Well, they don't propose. Jim tells him, say something. <laughs> or yeah. not Jim. Pam tells him to say something. Right. Because um, Pam or Jim does not want to at all. Yeah, yeah no. Jim's, Jim's a terrible person. Um, so an ally of this D'Angelo sexist is Andy. Right. So those of you following at home, please write that down. I, I would have noticed I took a ton of w- uh, women's studies courses or something in <laughs> yeah. college. Yeah. Which if, if a guy says he's not a sexist because he did all of this, he's probably a bit sexist. Yeah. I mean, not for nothing. He probably took those classes to try to get some, you know. Right. Um, so... There is an inner circle meeting. Actually, there isn't. Jim tries right. to go in. To speak Jim to goes him. in, right. right? And everybody sees him go in. So everybody's in. Uh, and he brings it up. Now, 
he flat out says, it takes him a bit, but he does say that people in the office who shall remain unnamed think you're being sexist. Mm-hmm. Is that the way you would approach that conversation? Because I don't think that's, I think that's wrong. I think, I think the, he gets what he gets. Right. Um, honestly, well, because Gabe's in the inner circle, can't go to Gabe, but really the best way to do it in a you know, corporate setting is go to HR. Right. Yeah. So, so they should have gone to Toby, but or like, especially you know Kelly, Angela, Meredith, who we haven't really seen much of recently. So I don't, I don't know. Anyway, those 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 women who felt wrong should not have pushed someone like Jim to do it. Right. They should, they, they themselves should have gone to HR. Be like, we've noticed this. We feel as though we're not being represented or whatever. You know something of that nature do something and right. it would be then because that's in a corporate setting that is one of the main things hr is is actually there for yeah it's their job to be the representative of the people who are being wrong so yeah. you know it would be because like we've talked about before gabe like we're not really sure what he does is he hr is he not so we um so he would probably go and talk to you know, Tallahassee HR about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, so Gabe's in this meeting, though. Right, and right. he is being the yes man instead of the... Oh, he's such a, yeah. such a suck up. I mean, we've seen it before, but especially now that I feel like it's a saber person in charge, right. you know, and, and not a Dunder Mifflin person. He's like, okay, I got to I gotta toe the line. I can't really fight back here. Yeah. Um, because with Michael, he definitely pushed back a bit because it was, you know, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just, you know, a Dunder Mifflin person. Right. And Michael was kind of against a lot of Gabe's initial changes. Right. Yeah. Uh, but Kevin, I mean, everybody says it must be Pam. Kevin agrees. You know how she gets. You know how she gets. Yeah. Such a dick thing. Yeah. Kevin yeah. To say. Um, but then D'Angelo kind of seems like he might take note. Right. Yeah. For, for a brief moment, you're like, oh, maybe, maybe he didn't realize what he was doing. Yeah. You know, because the people who, who they're not talking to as much, mm-hmm. well, besides Angela, mm-hmm. they're smaller departments. Meredith right. does customer relations which is different from kelly who does customer service well no because i think meredith deals with like supplier relations yeah, yeah. she's a relations. customer yeah to her right. vendors. but it, but in this kind of office you know the the big kahunas are the salespeople. yes so sales and shipping those right. are the two big ones so it makes sense for jim Jim and Daryl to be in there because Dwight would be in there instead of Jim if, you know, Dwight was willing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like since season three, Jim has been higher level than Dwight. Right. Because he but, was number two for a long time until Charles came by. And mm-hmm, then I guess, mm-hmm. but then he, and then at some point he actually became a co-manager. Mm-hmm. And so maybe after the co-manager thing, he just became a salesperson. Right. And I don't know if there are any ranks in the salespeople. Right. Because Stanley's often pointed to as the most senior salesperson. He's the most senior salesperson, but Dwight does better numbers. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's I mean, it's really obvious that D'Angelo, sorry, didn't mean to hit my mic there. D'Angelo is obvi- trying to get uh, on Dwight's good side. That's right. Dwight is the big, you know, he's the, the dominant male in the sales team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So he goes out. He goes out to the uh, the thing. He's like, "Oh, I've heard all these rumors." He's like, "All right, show of hands, who who here has a vagina?" Calls yeah. that one in. Who here loves someone with a vagina? And so at this point, you know, somebody, well, some most of the women I think have both hands up. Um, maybe I don't know. Anyway, but, Phyllis actually ends up putting both her hands up. Right. Um, because she's answering these questions correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but D'Angelo goes on to explain why he has two hands up and why he's better than other people. So then the people in the inner circle also start to put both of their hands up, even though they clearly don't have. Right. No. <laughs> um, and so I do like, there, there's a couple different things in here um, about Dwight that I do like. Because, he, you know, he, he won't bow down to the new person. I think... Dwight has realized that he is invaluable to the company. Right. It honestly, he's prob without incredible cause. He's probably bulletproof at Thunder Mifflin Saber mm. with as much money as he's making them. And I think he kind of realizes it. It he's like, I just, I'm good at my job and I want to do it and be left alone. And that's it. You know, right. and I, I kind of like that. He got to that point where he's like, I just, I don't want to do anything else. You know, right. and this is, this is something we've, we've talked about previous episodes and we'll get into more in the next episode of him progressing as the person to be the man. Right. You know, that eventually by the time he finally gets to being the manager at the end of the series, he's ready for it. And I think this is one of those times that you kind of see him progressing to be just accepting his spot as a salesperson, nothing more. Because he's not like, you know, it's not Michael screwing around with him you know, assistant to the regional manager and all that stuff. He's just like, just let me do my job. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's true. Um, yeah, it means White has been changing a lot, I think, since season four, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, because he already started doing a lot of, like, anti-Michael stuff. Right. Uh, kind of not really just agreeing with everything he did. And, um, you know, he buys the building, so that kind of gives him a totally different power dynamic. Right, right. Um yeah, so right. So this anti D'Angelo stance is really it's like finally his his big thing, right? Right. Because right, he's on the precipice of possibly becoming someone mm. important. And so D'Angelo does hire a administrative assistant, apparently over some very, very qualified people because she's tall and blonde and hot. Yeah. Jordan Garfield. Which I think we see again. Like, I know she's in the next episode, but doesn't she come back at some point? Or According to Dunderpedia, she is only in this season. She doesn't come back next season. Okay. Uh, for whatever reason, maybe I, maybe I saw her in something else. And, uh, yeah. I mean, she kind of looks like a bootleg uh, Blake Lively. Yeah, she just looks really familiar to me. So maybe maybe I've seen her in like another Michael Schuer show or something. Mm, yeah. Um, but uh, I wish apparently she worked at uh, Anthropology, which is uh, Kelly's dream job. Kelly's dream job. <laughs> um, and as she's like talking about it, Ryan <laughs> gives her some shit. Right. Um, mostly because I think D'Angelo's given him a look. He's like, you got to control your lady. Right, and I think this is when, like, Kelly, like, puts down, like, the the hammer for you're going to be a dutiful boyfriend now. Mm. Like, I think it was one thing for him to do it in front of him and just from D'Angelo, but to do it in front of, um, you know, everyone, you know, that's a whole other 
that's a that's a much larger bridge to to cross. Yeah, I mean that's why I thought it was sooner because the joke is that he sometimes gets to be her manager because when D'Angelo's right. around and mm-hmm. but he always has to be a dutiful boyfriend. But like you said, once it's put out in front of the office like this and D'Angelo sides with him, then she has no more bargaining chip. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, so Jordan's hired. Kelly's in her place. Ryan's still a boss. Jim ends up not getting a text for an inner circle meeting call after that. Mm-hmm. Andy gets it. Um, Dwight also gets it. I guess he always gets it. And he <laughs> gives a shout. He's like, never. Never. Um, and so there, there is one scene that is, I am curious about your thoughts. So D'Angelo sends out Jordan, the new administrative assistant, to tell Dwight that anything. Anything. And so he says, D'Angelo, tell your whore to leave me alone. Right. And so part of me kind of is like, do you think D'Angelo was trying to whore this girl out? Uh, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I think that's Dwight and his old timey thoughts. You know? Okay. Um, it doesn't help that that's the phrase that Jordan used. Right. But it, uh, I mean, it's possible, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose it's possible because D'Angelo's not a great guy. No, he's a terrible person. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, so a lot of stuff happens, right? Like, so D'Angelo is playing basketball. And and we see that, uh, like Andy. Um, so he goes. Every, in. So Andy, you know, he made this that big stink about being a feminist. That's right. And he yeah, goes in, and it was like Andy, and he's like. And he's like, oh, I'm gonna penetrate from the inside, but then he gets in. He's like, oh yeah, man, game. He's like. Yeah. Obviously, just being a kiss ass, right? Which again is part of Andy's mo, right? That's right. What he did with yes, Josh, that's what so. he does. Did with Josh. Tried to do with Michael. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they're playing basketball, like Nerf hoop basketball, right? And he, uh, it's loud. It's like super loud. So like Pam asks him to be quiet, and oh, so Gabe says, "I was just like." Uh, Magic Jordan himself. Right. D'Angelo corrects him. I was like, oh, I'm nothing like Michael Jordan, but I can do his dunk from the foul line. Yeah. Which, if, I, if memory serves me right, that's from the 1988 or 89 slam dunk contest against Dominique Wilkins. Um, where no, no one on this show is going to correct you. <laughs> we're in for the non-sports people. Um, it's where the iconic Jordan logo from the shoes and stuff is from is – is he is the first person to dunk taking off from behind the foul line of basketball? So it's right. like jumping 16 feet, you know, 10 so, feet so, up. yeah, and 10 feet up. So that stretching motion that you see, you know, when you think of like a Jordan logo, that's where that is from. That that dunk, right? Uh, um, so he says he could do it, right? Um, and unfortunately, there's no way for him to show that off. How convenient, just like the juggling. But Jim reveals there's a basketball hoop downstairs and we can do it. Right. Um, so, yeah, we end up doing that. We go downstairs. Uh, he has changed. He is in his basketball gear now. What I love is he's still got his, like, vest and button-ups on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he tries to get Jordan to sit under the... He's hoop. like, I'm holding your jewelry. <laughs> yep. So Kevin gets to do it. And so he he runs, he does sort of like a leap from the foul line, strikes the pose, trots, jumps over Kevin, does another one, grabs the net, and then pulls himself up and dunks it. Yeah. Holds on, and the, the, the thing just falls, and I assume catches him like on the windpipe. 
or something. I mean, that's what it looks like, but he has a concussion. So maybe like just before he kind of does that and it like sandwiches his forehead into the stomach. Well, yeah, but, but I mean, just the way he was falling, hitting the back of your head. I mean, he's going to get one no matter what. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's more that fall than the hoop doing the damage. Right. And if, if, so we learn eventually that he's in a coma in the next episode. Yeah. But I think, doesn't, don't we learn at some point that he dies? I do not remember <laughs> I, I think I remember hearing something in an episode where, like, he dies from these injuries. <laughs> Let's see. So I'm on his page on Dunderpedia. D'Angelo Vickers, last appearance, Inner Circle. Uh, in Lotto, D'Angelo was mentioned by Daryl saying that he's dead. But Andy corrects him saying that he's not dead, just his brain. Okay, so well, brain dead. His brain dead. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, they walk him out. He's all concussed and slurring, way worse than Dwight was. Right. Um, yeah. And now we're left with no manager. So, what would you give this episode, sir? Uh, I like this episode. Um, I always, this is like the only D'Angelo episode I've really want like wanted to watch. Uh-huh. So I gave this a 3.7 out of 5 Horse Flyers, which is Pam's uh, young adult novel, which would be the worst book I would ever read cover to cover twice. Yeah. All right. Uh, Yeah, did not like this episode as much, although it's not as bad as I remember. I mean, all these episodes, and if you listen to us early on, you'll recall, I was very adamant that I'd be negative about everything after season three. (laughs) <laughs> so, here, so here we are in season eight, right? Um, and uh, yeah, not so bad. But this episode, I still am not a huge fan of. 2.5 out of five man caves. Two point, okay. Yeah, maybe it's just I'm in a good mood today. I don't know. but like, I'll tell you, that's what hit me a lot the last couple of shows that we did. So that's a but, totally but, valid reason. But also, like, I don't know. I, just, I love the juggling bit. I'm not going to lie. It cra- I still will laugh out loud every time. No, it's that's very valid. It's a great. And, and there, there aren't a lot of parts in this show because it says I've seen it so much where I'll actually like, you know, give more than stuff. You know, sort of an inner chuckle kind of thing. Right. So I don't know. I just I love I love it. It's hilarious to me. Yeah. It shouldn't be, but it's yeah. Or maybe it should be. I don't know. Uh, yeah, we're not going to cover that episode this uh, show, but the bit where Creed is in charge. <laughs> that's one of those bits for me <laughs> like he has that meeting and no one's in it he does his bow body thing body bow body yeah yeah there well, speaking of in the next episode uh season episode season seven episode 24 dwight Schrute, acting manager directed by troy miller written by justin spitzer um so d'angelo's a, in a coma he has a coma there is a a very subtle awesome dwight moment in this or not dwight Creed moment in this episode, uh-huh. but we'll get there. So we yeah. find out that um, that uh, he's in a coma. And we see, I guess, what it's like a party planning committee, sort of. Well, well, we we open up. Well, okay, that's where we open up. So they're they're trying to figure out what to get him, and so they're like, "What well, you know, basket with chocolates and stuff." And Dwight's like, "What about a knapsack filled with fuel and?" Uh, Chainsaw. Chainsaw yeah. and all this stuff, you know, obviously for The Walking Dead. Right. Um, which is pretty funny. And so we open up the episode where, you know, it's Jim sort of narrating this montage of, it's like, who would have thought people just come in and do their jobs on their own schedule and 
Right. It's been working great. Why would I want to upset this? So he gets a phone call and he's like, he turned, it's Joe offering him the acting manager position. Yep. Which, granted, I get wanting to keep the status quo, but. I mean, take the job. Take you whatever take, there is. You gotta take the job. Right. And then don't do the work, right? Because you right. can yeah, keep the status quo. Because you know someone's gonna fill that position. Yeah. It's gonna I'm, get filled at some well, point. Well, that's the thing. Apparently, he doesn't know that. Well, this, this is like Jim just being dumb. Like, this is one of those uh, convenient ignorance, as I think is the, the trope, is the name of the trope. But it's just like someone being overly stupid when they shouldn't be. Right. Yeah. Uh, so he call, he hangs up the phone. He tells, like, Joe, he tells Joe or Payne, it's like, how's Joe offering me an actual manager job? And she's like, why didn't you take it? And then Dwight's phone rings. Yeah. And Dwight just looks at the phone like, I know exactly what this is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's offered the position. He takes it. Um, he calls Jordan over to take all the things from his desk into the new office. And he walks in very triumphant, very like, like this is a moment for me. Right. Uh, then he gives a call to his most trusted ally, Mose. Yeah, he says, "Guess Michael Schumer." Where I'm calling from, yeah. But I, what I love is we have this 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 shot of Pam with abject terror in her eyes, and just a shaky voice going, "What have you done?" Yeah, I mean, and Pam. I mean, a lot of the people in that office will recall when Dwight was in charge because Dwight was in charge for at least a day uh, during the job interview, right? Um, but this is different, right? Because like he was given this position from corporate. Right. Yeah. He yeah. is acting. He, yeah, he is in charge down from corporate. Yeah. The whole bit, the whole right. bit. Um, so Jim, Jim can't deal with it. He stays in his car longer. He's doing his talking heads outside. Right. And you know, he's counting down like, you know, I have to punch on this time clock. Everyone has a 21 minute or 21 digit copier code. There's, there's a, nobody can take lunch at the same time. He has the time right. spot. And this is, you know, again, like we were talking about last time, like the, the evolution of Dwight as a manager. This is very obviously him still not ready to do it yet. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we find out, though, that, oh, it's worth mentioning. They all have new business cards. They're not the size of business cards, and everybody's title is junior employee. They're huge. Yeah, they're like, I don't know. I don't know how big they are, but they, they, they're bigger than a dollar bill. That's what they look like. Yeah. Really I mean, I'll, I'll say, because I do a lot of marketing or whatever, like it is a thing to keep looking for the non-business card business card, right? Right. Um, I've seen things that are called Z cards that are the, the shape and size of a business card, but it's actually two business cards with like a accordion piece of paper inside that folds out into a whole thing. There's the business card in the pen that you can pull out, you know, it's like a little scroll. Um, I'm a big fan of like those uh, infinite folding business cards. Like, like they're in a shape and you fold them inward and it's another message and you fold them inward and it's another message and you do that like three or four times. Um, yeah, but, those. but these are basically small postcards, right? <laughs> which is just terrible. Um, so we find out that Joe's coming in. Um, right. It's, it's only on a need to know basis. Aaron right. needs to know. It's a meet and greet. So he has a list of things that he'd like the office to adhere to. One is no fomenting insurrection. Right. Which of course Jim runs with to start uh, 
He's like, what if we already have fomented in insurrection? Can we be grandfathered in? <laughs> right. I can't remember the name of the group or the campaign he starts. The Fist? Was it The, the fist? fist? Yeah, it's Join the Fist. Yeah, so he's got a flyer up in that little kitchenette area. Dwight takes it down. Jim comes back and puts two up. It was like this Hydra mentality, right? right. <laughs> um, Kelly shows a blade. So, uh, you know, Dwight wants to know why. Because she said it was for a medical reason. That's none of his business. So he says, I'll point. Right. And he just like hangs around her uh, vagina. Yeah. Um, And then another thing we see, kind of like a B storyline here, is that Gabe is still into Aaron. Big time. Yeah. So So this is not the first time Gabe has cornered Andy. Right. He's he's like, pulls into the the thing. He's like, promise me you won't date her. So then he starts crying. He's like, do you like being alone with me? I don't like being alone with me either. I said, you know. Yeah. Like, Gabe seems like a really hard person to be with. Uh, Gabe seems like a really hard person to be. (laughs) I think he just has problems. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so Andy swears. I mean, honestly, it's one of those, it's like torture, right? You'll say anything to get out of it. So he says this thing. Um... And now, a great thing that we see is the new manager office. Yeah. We have a giant desk that is a replica of one of the Hussein's desks. Yeah. But he only saw it. He only did it because he saw it and liked it. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, he has a, a piranha. That's a, res- a, res- a rescue. <laughs> I love the rescue piranha. Yeah. Uh, a Beaumont Adams pistol. Uh, pistol a in like a, a full samurai warrior armor set. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's an ugly office. Oh, it's, it's hideous, but yeah. it's very, it's very Dwight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things where like, you know, he wouldn't do this for his building owner thing because not everyone would see it all the time. Right. But in this office, you know, if, if he has the shades up, people pretty much have to look at it. Yeah. Um, uh, so Gabe is still messing around trying to get Aaron back. We find out Aaron just didn't like being touched by Gabe, which I think she kind of hints at also during mm-hmm. Michael's last Dundies. Right. But yeah, he, so apparently he's very bony. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also all those things where I think she's manifesting her dislike of him as a person into physicalness. Like she just says like, he may or may not be a bad person to touch, you know, physically, but right. since she dislikes him so much, it makes her feel weird to touch or be touched by him. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, so Jim goes into Dwight's office. I mean, so this insurrection thing is looming in Dwight's head. Right. Uh, and he really wants to make sure that Jim stays on the up and up. And Jim says that Dwight has no power to fire him if he does. Right. An uprising. Uh, so they get into these pre preparedness situations. Right. So, like, well, then you're pre fired. Well, then they, we had this talk. Yeah, I was like, uh, if I would know in this, if, if I would know that Dwight was going to be the full time manager, I would pre quit. Yeah. Because I find it better to be pre, pre, pre prepared. That's right. Um, Dwight gets a holster from his uncle, right? Right. Um, as like a gift, a congratulatory gift on his yes, promotion. Great uncle honk. Yeah. Great name. Classic. Mm-hmm. Must be a family name. Um, 
So it's just the holster, and now he's rocking this pistol in it. Right. First question is, why is it loaded? I mean, this is one of those things where it doesn't really make sense that Dwight would actually have a loaded gun. Right. Because Dwight is very much about safety, you know, all this stuff. So it's either arrogance that he thinks he can control it, or it's just the writers saying, screw it, we need the joke. Because it... The more I think about it, the more it really does not fit with Dwight's character to have a loaded gun there. See, I don't know that because he's looking at Michael during a Survivor Man and the safety wasn't on. That is true. So it, I think he has the intentions of being a safe weapon owner, uh, but he is not, in fact. And obviously because he's never had a mistake around himself, you know. Right. Uh, so this 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 thing that we're about to talk about, I think, is a surprise to him. So Andy and everyone starts kind of wigging out about guns. You know, Andy can't be around a gun, apparently. Um, and so he ends up like, he's going to, he's like, whatever, I'll put it away. He does like the cowboy twirl. And uh-huh. on the twirl, I guess he pulls down on the trigger and the gun goes off. Right. Which, I mean, that's a whole, it's a whole other discussion about like trigger weights and stuff, but like that had to be a really light trigger for it to actually go off there. But maybe I'm wrong there. But from what well, I understand about guns, which I'm not a big gun person, but. I mean, Joe calls it a little girl's gun. And I mean, that could be Joe being like overly manly, right? Because she's like, right. like desert eagles and stuff. Uh, but I mean, it's a, it's a six shooter and it has a hammer. Right. If, if video games have taught me anything, it's that if you preload the hammer, it's easier to pull the trigger. Right. Otherwise, it's heavy to shoot and your aim is off. Right. So I don't know. Like, I didn't see if the hammer was preloaded. That would make sense, you know. But but there's also there was also six shooters that were single action, which means right. you couldn't preload them. So I don't know. Yeah. Right, right it, in. Right in. <laughs> Yes, please write in and explain to us about guns because I know like this much about guns and I'm sure that's an infinite more than Jay Ray knows about guns. Correct, because I am a East Coast liberal, so I only know what video games tell me. <laughs> uh, but um, so it goes off. Everyone freaks out. We find out that there is hardwood flooring underneath the carpet, which yeah. comes back to play later yeah. on. Yeah. Um, but Andy is injured injured right yeah which yeah. i've been in a house oh i was almost shot once like <laughs> and those things are loud so like it's not that he would be like it would have burst like a couple of people's eardrums yeah yeah i mean i guess they're they can do it because well, he's well, great. Also, it depends on like the load and stuff but, right right yeah but yeah anyway um that's another story for Tales from Jacob's Past. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Yep. <laughs> um, so Aaron comes over to like help him out. Gabe sees this. He is annoyed. Um, mm-hmm. She says she can take him to the hospital. Gabe says, no, we need you here. Like We need a receptionist now more than ever, he says. Um, so Daryl ends up taking him, and Andy is... Uh, Acting limping. all hurt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, um, so a great line here is Dwight... Uh, Dwight is asked why he needs to why he needs to wear that holster anyways or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Dwight says, why do you always have to wear those booby shirts? Right. Yeah. I couldn't remember the context. I knew I wrote down the quote. But I yeah. Yeah. So, Which, you know, I, 
you know, I don't think Pam wears ever really wears anything overly revealing, right? Like, no, I mean, like, I mean, it's a little bit of a V, but it's not like much of one. Our wives will hear this, but Pam is like a full bodied woman, right? Yeah. Like she's got, she's got bits, she's got pieces, they're in places. So, I mean, unless she was wearing like a smock, right? Like you could, uh, you see, you know, you see her shape, I guess is my point here. Yeah, you see her shape, but it's not like, she's not like, right. Not wearing a push up bra and like cleavage is showing, you know, it's not that kind of thing. But I think Dwight says this thing and Angela had said it previously. Right. And I think that's what it is, is that like, because she has this lady body, it's offensive that See, people can in tell my head like booby shirts or like you know those tank tops that where you know you could drop a quarter down in there so yeah man let me tell you and I'll, I'll keep it short but i was in a meeting a couple of weeks ago with someone and her shirt it was just so inappropriate like i could see her belly button <laughs> like dead serious and she kept having to fix it and stuff and like her brassiere was clearly exposed and i was like what, are, what what's happening here and uh it was really offensive it was very distracting i don't think i got a lot out of it there's just a time and place for a shirt like that. And it was not at 10 AM in my <laughs> office building. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm not going to, I was, <laughs> was going to add something, an annoyance of mine, but I don't know. That's, that's fair. We'll, we'll, we'll cover it next time. So now Dwight goes into like, uh, you know, like fix mode, right? How can yeah, I fix action mode? Yeah. Um, so he calls a conference and in a very Michael style, he comes in with a cowboy hat and mm, says, gun safety Dwight. Yeah. He's the most rootinest, tootinest and he gives up and it's great. Oh, I love it. It's like, all right, I can't do this. And yeah. he just like tries to get, you know, everyone on his side, on his side. Yeah. Yeah. When Toby um, is super excited, he gets to use like a new part of his binder. Yeah. New never used before. Stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he starts like, "Who saw Dwight shoot the gun?" Everybody raises their hand. Uh, yeah, I mean, like it's just super clear that Dwight is going down for this, right? Right. Um, but eventually, we get to a place where Joe's coming, mm-hmm. and the whole office, like each now, are being able to demand a single thing right. of Dwight so that they'll keep silent. Uh, right, and Kevin, it's like uh, Dwight's like, I put all the food back in the, the things. Like I said, without the fruit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is—is um, is fruit yeah. really a vending machine thing? Yeah, I mean, I remember when there was fruit in there during the weight loss episodes. Right, but I don't think there was actual th- fresh produce in there anymore after that. It traditionally was chips and stuff. Right, because like. I mean, yeah, I've seen like, you know, like the, the spinny ones that are refrigerated. Yeah, yeah. Maybe some fruit in there. Because we have one of those at work and I think you can get like a banana out of them. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. Like an actual vending machine. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think there is one of the spinny ones in there. They never, they never shoot a scene with it. But I think like it's the only one they ever shoot a scene with the, one. the far yeah. one. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Problem so solved. That's what talking about. We did it. <laughs> And that's going to do it for great Scott. No. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> so Jim has the most outlandish demands, right? He, well, he's he like, I would, yeah. Shagadelic baby in three sentences. Like it, three it, times. And then every time he coughs, Dwight has to do jazz hands. Um, Pam, I think it's Pam wants him to get rid of the fish, which ends which, up in the measuring. Why, why get rid of the fish? Like, it's it's a, I mean, yeah, it's tough. I mean, well, because the, he's keeping gross stuff in the freezer to feed the fish also. Okay. I mean, yeah. for that, I can see it. 
But yeah. other than that, I'm like, I felt bad for the fish. He flushed the fish. Like, oh, poor, poor he fish. The problem is he didn't flush the fish. The fish was just in the toilet. <laughs> uh, okay. So. With a great cabin. Like, so Kevin goes to the bathroom. It's just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. I love when the characters curse. Like out of nowhere because the beep is just it's great. Like uh, I think my favorite curse in the show is when Michael is trying to ride his bike in during Benny Hanna Christmas and like the handle just lightly catches on the door frame and he loses speed and he just goes and he's trying to sing and he goes ah fuck. Um, so Joe comes in, you know she's stoked. She's got new puppies, um, but you know she's trying to greet the whole office and Dwight is like really tense, trying to make sure that everybody is like not going to blow up his spot. Right. And he's just like, he's like, screw it. And this is another probably good Dwight moment where he's, he just owns it. Yeah. More than he, probably anyone else would. would. Right. He just owns it. Um, but not before he has to do one jazz hands. Right. <laughs> um, so, but it doesn't go well. Joe yeah. has like a zero tolerance for this. I mean, she does like guns, but she is 100% aware that guns do not belong in the workplace. Right. Uh, she also calls Dwight's gun a girl gun. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so essentially he's stripped of his title, mm-hmm. uh, of which, again, I think he's only been it for uh, a week. Yeah, a week. Um, which might be his longest managership to date. <laughs> yeah. Um, so a new committee is drafted to find someone. And in the meantime, the most senior individual in the office gets to be manager. Right. Which is Creed. That's Creed. Yeah. Okay. So there, there is this great Creed scene. It's real quick. I know a lot of people have missed it through the years. So after Dwight fires the gun, he, and I, it looks like he means to do it, hands it off to Creed who just takes it away. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like Creed and Dwight have this like, okay, you're the fixer. And right. Dwight knows this. Mm-hmm. Is like, okay, there will become there will come a time yeah. where I will need your help and I will owe you for it. Kind right. Of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I I did see a, a a post this week about how, according to Creed Braddon's AMA, the reason he wanted three chairs was so he could build a ladder to his cubicle in the roof or in the ceiling. There you go. That's from the official, like, Creed Braddon thing. There you go. Uh, what do you think, man? Uh, I gave this a three out of five transition episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it a 2.7 out of five Husseins. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is a transition episode. I mean, we're, the season's wrapping up. Right. It's, it's to pretty much set up the search committee. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for coming out. You can reach us at brokenjawsbroadcasting.gmail.com if you would like to comment on our various probably things we've said that are very wrong. Uh, again, patreon.com forward slash brokenjars if you want to give us some of your hard-earned money and help keep the podcast going. Leave a comment or review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to mm-hmm. it. Google Great. Play Music. Yeah. Yep. All righty, and we, I guess we'll uh, see you next time, y'all. Catch you on the flippity flip. In season eight. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, no, 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 not, not quite. We're not, not quite yet, to not season yet. yet. But uh, the, last, the next show. Almost will, there. It'll, it'll be out. Right? Yeah. Fishing out season seven. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.